Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns, welcome to Hour 3 of Gerard at Large. I am your hopeful host, Richard Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at GerardAtLarge.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, also at Gerard at Large, where we encourage you to like us and to follow us because we just want to be loved. All right, coming up later in this hour, right after Al Caprillion, we'll be putting our eyeballs on the Manchester Mayor's Race and uh, associated races because there is a huge union push in this race. More so than normal, which is always big. And uh, we want to take time to examine that on this Friday morning. And then James Patrick Riley will join us for the history segment. But before we get to Al Caprillion, I want to chat. I want to address some of these questions that are raised by Donna Green in our news read. The Donna Green being the Timberlane Regional School Board member who has raged against the machine for some five years now. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God bless her. Why do administrators hold a majority vote, a majority of all votes on school board standing committees? You know, outside of the city of Manchester, this happens, I think, a little more often than you might think. And while I'd be hard pressed, I, I, you know, I know I've been to committee meetings in Goffstown and in Hooksit and other communities. Well, maybe not other communities, but those two where administrators are on committees that um, are standing committees of the school board. And they participate in every way as the elected official participates. They participate in the discussion. They participate in the voting. They can make motions. It's crazy town. You know, in Manchester, when a committee meets, and I'm a committee chairman, you know, so I can tell you, I sit down with the administration and they ask me permission as a chairman about what they can and can't put on an agenda. Now, there are items uh, for all practical purposes in my committee that have to be put on an agenda because, you know, if we don't do the manifest review and I don't assign somebody to uh, (laughs) to sign the manifest like I did yesterday, well, then bills don't get paid and, and that's a problem. So there are always items that, as a practical matter, have to be on an agenda. But there are policy items that come before any committee chairman in Manchester where the committee chairman could say, no, we're not taking that up. Thank you very much. Or... The committee chairman can say, yes, we are taking that up. There will be a a meeting of the Curriculum and Instruction Committee in Manchester this week. And I called the chairman yesterday and I said, didn't you want to have X put on an agenda? She said, yes, I did. I said, well, it's not there. She said, I will correct that right now. And of course, she's got the emails which said she wanted it, blah, 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 blah. And. When staff comes to uh, see staff does uh, staff comes to our committee meetings in Manchester, but they sit where the staff is supposed to sit. And it's one of those things where they are they speak when they're asked to speak. They present when they're asked to present. They answer questions when they uh, when they're asked questions. They don't sit there and discuss matters with the uh, with with the committee members they don't debate them although from time to time a debate will go back and forth between an administrator and a board member on a particular topic and i wouldn't call it a debate so much as i would call it a back and forth on the issue but in timberlane you've got this and in in many school districts you've got this crazy system where the professional staff that is supposed to be overseen by and held accountable by given direction by the elected body 
not individual members, but the elected body, you have them in a situation where on these committees, they sit on the committee. Metzler is co-chair with Green of the policy committee. So you automatically have a tug of war over who's in charge. It should automatically be the elected official. But it's not when you have a superintendent that wants to play the game his way or her way and a, and a school board that seems perfectly okay with the usurpation of their authority because they just don't like Donna Green. And they're too stupid to know how dangerous that is to what they want to do or may want to do in the future. Either that or like so many people, oh, it'll, it, that'll never happen to me. Oh, don't be so sure. And then... Because there are like two or three members of the of the elected body on the committee and five or seven on the uh, on the staff. Well, guess what? Uh, From the staff, if Metzler doesn't want a meeting, he just says, hey, you're not going to that meeting. And they say, "Okay." And you think they're going to cross that guy? Not with their job on the line. Besides, who wants to go to another meeting? So if the elected officials want to do something on a policy, but the staff is universally opposed, the elected official in a committee appointed by the elected body that is supposed to oversee and oversee the staff and govern the district, determine the policies by which the district is going to be governed and held those it employs to account for their performance in implementing their policies. They can, they can shoot it down and kill it in committee. And you really think that any member of Earl Metzler or any superintendent staff is going to break ranks with the top brass on these committees and say, well, I don't care what you think, boss. I think it should be done this way, and I'm going to vote with the elected officials. Oh, don't be drinking any coffee that is made in the office the next day, I'll tell you. So whoever structured these committees in in, in the Timberlane Regional School District put the fix in for the administration. The inmates are literally running the asylum in that district, and it's a problem. And I don't know, because I don't know, but it seems to me that that, that, that can't be right under state law. It, it just can't. And if it is, maybe it needs to be fixed at that level. But I, I'll tell you what, you know, and to see these towns where the school, you know, the superintendents sit amongst the board members as if they are on the board and participate in virtually every way in the discussions with the exception of being able to make motions and vote on matters before the board. I mean, hell, if you can do it at the if you can do it at the uh, committee level, why can't you do it at the board? See, dirty little secret about school boards is the the lion's share of the work is done in committee. If they can if they can keep something from coming out of committee or they can do something that um, they want in committee, if they can get their way in committee, then they can nine out of ten times get what they want at the board. And Donna Green is is right to raise those questions. We all know the real answer. The real answer is because, well, you know what they say, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, right? Well, in Earl Metzler's world, it's his hand rocking the cradle, and that cradle is a school board too stupid to know that it's been taken over uh, by an emperor who uh, has no clothes. Don't know why. Ladies and gentlemen. 
Please welcome to the Gerard at Large radio program. Good morning! The prognosticator of precipitation. Forecast for today. The captain of cumulus clouds. Here's the cold front here slicing on through. The high priest of high pressure. Hi everyone, how you doing? Master of meteorology. All right. Ow! Al Caprillion. Keeps raining all the time. And joining us now is our very own Al Caprillion. Our thanks to SRT Construction for sponsoring Al. SRT, hey, you know, when disaster strikes, when that pipe bursts, when that fire happens, when... Well, a little too much smoke comes off the kitchen stove or soot hits from the fireplace, the furnace, any of that fun stuff. You know, there are two things you got to do. There's cleaning. You got to clean it up or you got to get rid of this mold. Oh, if mold gets in, you got to get rid of the bad stuff and then you got to come rebuild. SRT Construction is all about rebuilding. Learn how they can work with you and more importantly, your insurance company to make sure you get what you need to fix what was lost. That's SRTConstructionLLC.com. Good morning, Al. Good morning. I think you better hold the walls when you go home today. After you hear this forecast, the family, you may be headed to, I don't know about Josh. Josh may take one more trip to the beach on Sunday and Monday. We're going to see temperatures possibly near 90 on Monday. Sunday is 80. So, Rich, summer isn't over. As fall begins at 402. Before we get to the current weather, you know, everyone's thinking of Maria, the whole island of Puerto Rico. Our prayers, keep them in your uh, prayers. People in Puerto Rico that are still there are trying to eat and sleep without power. The whole island is without power. That storm could give a big blow to the East Coast, including New England. But right now, it looks like Maria may curve to the Northeast. The latest computer models, the uh, ECMWF, which is the European, and also uh, the main uh, American model, the GFS, take her near Cape Hatteras, offshore, and then turn her more northeast out to sea. She may be kicked by a cold front and upper-level trough coming from the Great Lakes. So for all of you listeners, as of now, we're going to miss Maria. But you know how these tropical storms are so far out in time into the into next Wednesday that the track still could change. But as of now, um, we're cautiously optimistic Maria will miss the East Coast. However, Rich, if you do go to the beach Sunday, you got to be careful with your children. All the, There are no more lifeguards at the beaches. This is very important. If you go to the beach Sunday, Monday, you want it, you're swimming, or if you go in the ocean, there could be still some swells some Jose, and the swells are going to start coming in from Maria. So even though we're going to miss Maria next week, we are going to get some swells, high uh, surf, dangerous rip currents from Maria. So that's something to keep in mind. The lifeguards are gone. They're not there to blow the whistle and bring you out of the ocean if it's rough. So you're swimming at your own risk Sunday and Monday. Hmm. All right. So Jose is still out there causing a dangerous currents. Well, he's, 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 he's 135 miles southeast, the Antarctica drifting west. He's over colder ocean, so he's going to eventually weaken this weekend. By Monday, his latest Sunday and Monday, he'll be dissipated. So uh, Jose's just went over cold water. And again, near Puerto Rico, the ocean temperatures mid-80s. That's what fuels these storms, and uh, again, Jose now is weakening all the colder ocean waters. Hmm. So what do you think, Al? What's your gut tell you? Are we going to have anything for Maria up here? I think just in the right now, unless something to attract ships west-northwest, we're probably just going to have some rough surf and uh, rip currents. That's, that's going to be the lot right now. You know, it still can change because these tropical systems have a mind of their own, but as long as that cold front and trough move east, 
And don't stalk off the west of the east coast that looks like Maria will get kicked out. That's the early call right now. It's still not 100% definite, but as of now, we're telling everyone that we, it may be a, a near miss for New the east coast as of now. All right. So what's our... So... Uh, in the meantime, though, we're going to uh, enjoy some weather. Now, Indian summer doesn't really happen until after the first frost. Isn't that what you told me? Yes, the first killing frost. Yes, so it won't be Indian summer Sunday and Monday. No, nope, but uh, it, that, uh, we have to wait for the first killing frost. And a, lot of, and a lot of the leaves are on the ground. So uh, that, uh, that won't be Indian summer early next week. So how um, how... How late can an Indian summer really happen where you notice a, a, a really, you know, sort of last gasp uptick in temperatures before uh, fall? Well, really you can go into summer. October. You can have Indian summer in October. You have 80, 85 degrees. We call that Indian summer. So, you know, once once we get into October, a lot of the leaves are going to be falling. Our peak foliage here in southern Hampshire is usually around the second week in October, Columbus weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going into the uh, latter first part, mostly the second week in October. So, anytime from there or afterward, uh, it would be Indian summer. Hmm. Gotcha. So, we'll I have some statistics. Do you want to get so oh, yeah. far the rainfall for this month? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think we've gotten a lot. How of many rain inches do you think we've had since midnight last night, September first? From September first to midnight last night, I'd say we've had two inches of rain. Not bad, Rich. 2.57, that's 1.63 above normal. How old do you think the average temperature was so far this month? Oh, the average temperature this month. I'd say it'd be about 68. What'd you say? 68. You're at one degree off. 67, 2.6 degrees above normal. Now, the rainfall, do we have a deficit at the beginning of the year, or do you think we're above? No, we have a deficit. Okay, how much you think? Be I careful think, here. Be careful here. You're talking since the very beginning of the year. Beginning of the year to mid the year. Mm, I'd say we're off by two and a quarter inches. No, you're all way to a point nine three inches below. All right, so we're only an inch below. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So I guess we made up in September what we lost in August. Well, we had those heavy rains. Yeah, but we're going into a dry stretch now, so it looks like a cold front may come down from Maine. The warm weather will go Sunday, Monday, Maine, and possibly into Tuesday. It looks like a backdoor cold front will come down from north, northeast later Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll bring some cooler weather next week. So uh, that's the outlook right now. But all in all, the weekend looks good. We'll see lots of clouds today. Any showers will be uh, near the sea coast. There could be a few spotty ones, uh, 60s, 70s today. We're back in the... 70s to 80 tomorrow. Southern New Hampshire can touch 80, 81 tomorrow with an increasing sun. And then Sunday will be well in the 80s. Hmm, Lots cool. of sun. So how are we doing with uh, the, uh, the the leaf? Uh, are we starting to see any uh, any real turning? I'm thinking probably up in the north, the north country we're seeing Well, I've peaks. seen some colored leaves here. They're, yeah. they're starting to turn even locally. So, you know, we're starting, some trees are starting to turn already. What, what do you expect the peak will be? I would say probably right around Columbus weekend. You mean in the Manchester area, but obviously it's, earlier up north. Yeah, maybe a little bit after that. Anytime from Columbus weekend to, you know, probably the second week in October. After that, it's past peak here. Gotcha. All right, Al Caprillion, as always, it's our pleasure Rich, to have, have you on have a great air. weekend. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You and Josh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, we're going to take a break for traffic and sports. When we come back, we'll talk about the mayor, the, the, the upcoming races in Manchester. Stay with us.